and did a fantastic job. So I'm incredibly proud mama right here. <laughs> so the class that we've been doing this quarter that led us to this moment um, is really a class about unlearning poverty, uh, challenging the all too common narrow and toxic understandings of what it means to experience impoverishment in this country. Um, at the heart, that's what we've been doing, and we've been trying instead to focus on inequality and all of the ways that that is produced in our society. So three things that the students have been thinking about together, and, and each of them relates to this exhibit. The first is challenging what you might call the cultural common sense about who lives on the streets, why they live on the streets, and all of the sort of uh, simplistic narratives that miss the mark so completely. So we've been thinking a lot about how you interrupt those kinds of cultural narratives. Second, and more importantly, students have been learning a lot about the root causes of marginalization and impoverishment. They've learned about classism, racism, ableism. Um, they've learned about the sort of the ways in which the lack of shelter comes from also homophobia and transphobia. So they've been digging in on the really heavy, difficult topics that help us to understand at root why it is that so many people uh, live without shelter or live without support. And third, the students have been learning about real change and the visionary work that real change does. And you're going to hear more about real change from Lee, so I'm not going to go there. Um, but can I just say a couple of words about why we think it's so important to have this exhibit on our campus for the very first time. And we think it's important to have this in the heart of the UW campus where so many people walk through that space because this is a project of public education. That's what this art does. Is it educates people, invites them to think, to stop and think about people living without shelter in our city and in our county. The art in the exhibit, as you probably already know, if you've even walked past it slightly, uh, it focuses on the beauty, the complexity, the whole lives, and the stories, personal stories, of people who have worked at Real Change, have sold the newspaper. <coughs> the biographies tell stories of people's lives, and they remind us that you actually can never know unless you learn somebody's story. That's the only way to know, is to learn somebody's story, and that's what this exhibit offers to us. We hope, more generally, that this exhibit is going to challenge negative stereotypes that exist in our community. Um, we hope that by really pausing and learning about people who sell the newspaper and have experience living outside, that you will see people that you never would have come to know otherwise. And granted, you don't know the person because of reading it, but you've come a little bit closer to curiosity and to openness, we hope. And more than that, we hope that this exhibit moves you to uh, want to be involved in the politics of unaffordability, the politics of injustice in our city. And so with that, I just want to say thank you all so much for coming and supporting the opening of this exhibit. I would like to introduce now Lena Cozy, who is editor of Real Change News, who's going to talk about Real Change. Hi, thank you all. It's so great to see such a big crowd here and to get to talk about Real Change, um, in the U District especially. Uh, a couple days ago, I was walking around our neighborhood where the Real Change office is in Pioneer Square, and I saw one of our vendors selling the newspaper. So I stood and talked with him for a little while. And he said, I usually sell up in the U District, and up there people stop for me, and I usually have good sales, but down here nobody's stopping. And that's where I spend most of my time, and it's true, I think often we're so busy, and we're so used to ignoring people who are asking us for something, or um, who are maybe living on the street or sleeping in a doorway that we get really good at just passing by. So I stood there for a while with David and so many people walked by and just did everything they could not to make eye contact with him or not to even acknowledge that he was standing there. And I think that that is the shift that the Portrait Project helps us make. For the rest of us um, who have financial privilege and um, who uh, have many circumstances that are different so that we have never lived on the street. 
uh, we have to do with perspective where we are often avoiding this issue of homelessness or financial insecurity. And with the Portrait Project, I think John shifts our perspective to really look at people and listen to their stories and not just treat someone as a nuisance or a threat, but really stop. And I love that all of the portraits are really straight on, so you're looking in someone's eyes, which I think we don't often do. And so it's a real honor that vendors set for these portraits, and now we can have them, and they're all such beautiful examples of a person's humanity, and we can look in their eyes, and it's a totally different experience than ignoring someone brushing by them on the street and really um, uh, and these portraits are in our office all the time that's where they, they usually are and so they surround our work and it's just it's really important and so everyone I feel like I have uh, you know stops me a different day and I feel really familiar with all of them now so it's really exciting to see them in such an open space with so many people looking at them um, and I also think that that's part of the experience of buying a real change newspaper, is really also shifting that interaction um, and interacting with someone who has something that someone may want and it's a person's job and they've gotten out in what's an often a cold and wet Seattle day and they're standing on a busy sidewalk and you know so many people are walking past them and, and yet they stand there and I don't know if that's something I could do. And so I think it's really important that street newspapers exist and there is something that is a street newspaper movement we think where you're interacting with people and you have a chance to talk to someone you are taught to ignore and have a positive interaction with them and see them as you know someone with a job and, and see them as more than just a statistic or the biases and stigmatizations that we have around someone and we often assume people are living on the streets and why they are and once you get to know, I think, even the, the statistics of real change and that our vendors are, a third of them are unhoused, and then uh, two-thirds of the vendors, some are stably housed and some are unstably housed, and some have been with us for 25 years, and some um, uh, can take up the employment when they need to and will return to real change. And real change is also a wonderful vendor center where the floor below the newsroom it's a great space where vendors can come and we have computers uh, vendors can use and often food and coffee and so people can sit and just hang out. And that's such a rare um, resource for so many people. So that's really wonderful to see, especially in such a busy, wealthy city like Seattle. So I think that the Portrait Project is really a way that um, that shift has been able to travel and to involve more people and for hopefully more people to interact with people in dire financial circumstances and these vendors like David who is usually up in the U District in front of the University Bookstore or Jewel who's in front of the Red Light Vintage Store or Greg who's in front of Trader Joe's up here and I think those are good posts they say that people in the U District are friendly and happy so I'm really grateful for people in the U District who will stop and look and, and hear people's stories and not prejudge people and especially you all, um, the students who have worked so hard on this, and professors Lawson and Elwood, thank you so much. So yeah, that's all I have to say for now. Now I get to introduce Anitra Friedman, who is, oh, excuse me, Friedman, who is on the Real Change Board of Directors and the leader of Women in Black. This week's real change. Front <laughs> <laughs> and center. I, I am also, I've been a volunteer with real change ever since my husband Wes Browning got me involved in November of 95. Uh, I am on the Homeless Speakers Bureau. I sell the paper. I sell. I also take Venmo, by the way. Uh, and I'm on the board of directors. Real change from the beginning has been seriously committed to involving vendors in all aspects of the organization. We have a professional editorial staff. We also have an editorial committee that's all homeless and low-income people, whom are vendors. We have an advocacy department. We also have a 
vendor advocacy group, and the vendor advocacy group tells the advocacy department what we want to work on now. The, uh, we have a vendor resource center, uh, a vendor staff, which includes now a case manager, but the vendors also work with the vendor staff on uh, helping to give people sales training, on helping to handle appeals of a bar, because this is building a bigger community, which begins with the relationship between the vendor and the reader. We need to build a community that recognizes that homelessness is not an isolated problem. The problems of homeless people are linked to the problems of housed people. Anybody, everybody here got no financial lows whatsoever? <laughs> you raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dorothy Day, whom Wheel loves to quote, once said, all of our problems stem from our acceptance of this filthy, rotten system. All of our problems are linked, and we all have to work together to change the system. That what real change is doing. Uh, there, we have a mission statement on the inside of every issue. Real change exists to provide opportunity and a voice for low-income and homeless people while taking action for economic, social, and racial justice. That's what we need. And I also am involved with Share and Wheel, which are homeless-led organizations, a bit more than even the real change. Uh, Share and Wheel are organizations of homeless and formerly homeless people, making our own decisions, governing ourselves, deciding what we want to work on. And back in Wheel, which is homeless and formerly homeless women, back in 2000, began standing women in black vigils whenever somebody homeless dies outside or by violence anywhere in King County. We have stood for over a thousand people since May of 2000. There are nine of the images that you'll see have little flowers on them. Those are vendors that have passed. And we probably stood. I know we stood for some of those. I know that at least one of them has a leaf of remembrance, which is the other part of our homeless remembrance project. The idea of women in black, we were heartbroken by some terrible deaths in the homeless community, but what broke our hearts even more was the way they were treated in the media. There were not stories about, there were not obituaries about how much this person accomplished and how beloved they were or what all their, you know, everybody who's left behind the mourns. It was all about prostitution, drugs, transient on death. We started Women in Black to raise up the dignity of homeless people in death and in life. And that is also what the Portrait Project is about. I'm really glad to be here. Psychologists did a study that found that if you throw a bunch of statistics at people, their compassion naturally goes down. <laughs> that people respond to individual stories. You know, people not only respond to individual stories, but people act on emotion. No, they don't act on statistics. They act on emotion. I'm hoping that this exhibit stirs some more action and we build that greater community that is going to end homelessness.
is my friend Jackie Bartlett. I spoke at the Housing First Conference in Denver, and kind of like you guys, I was kind of nervous. And it's hard to tell people who you think know about homelessness about homelessness, right? But you really don't know. I mean, you know about the 55,000 people who tonight will live or sleep unhoused. You probably know that we have more homeless people in King County than in any other city or county in Washington State, and we also have the biggest problem and don't seem to know what to do about it. Okay. Um, I could stand up here and I could tell you my story, which would probably make tears fall out of people's eyes. I come from, um, I left my apartment, my son was looking at 60 years in prison. I gave up my apartment to pay for the attorney for my son because as an African American male, they were trying to grow me. So, needless to say, my son ended up with 22 years. He didn't get 60 years, thank God. But um, that's just my story. You know, I slept to a lady who educates our future, a teacher who couldn't afford an apartment because that's what it's like to be homeless under a bridge. I can tell you about the guy that tried to break me in broad daylight, and I still have two staple marks that I carry in my head today because I was homeless. I can tell you so many stories and stand up here, but the re reality of it is, until we start to fix it, until the people who are involved in it, means the homeless people, it's never going to change. Everybody's got a story. There's nobody out there on that street doesn't have a story. You think you see all these addicts, it's only really only 13% of the homeless people are addicts. It's just that they're not behind a closed door so they're not hiding what they do. A lot of people relapse when they go, when they become homeless because you are a product of your environment. And that's all there is. I mean, that's all there is. You're so busy trying to live day to day and you're so frustrated that you don't know what to do. My background is human services and I couldn't get a job. I couldn't get sheltered. I couldn't get the same people that I used to work with to help me when I got into my situation. Because until it hits you for real, you don't get it. You just don't understand. I know what it's like to stand in line in the pouring down rain for a cup of soup to get to the front of the line and there's more soup than my feet are I know what it's like to get to do laundry one day a week and your load is 46, and they only do 45 a week. I know what it's like to get up in the morning to want to go to work, to want a job. But I don't know about nobody else, but I didn't find no plug-in in my tent. I know what that's like. I know what it feels like every single day. And I know about all the programs out there that are going to help you get into housing because they help me get into housing. So I was the fifth person at the navigation center. So I got into housing. I got rapid rehousing, and they're going to help me, and I'm going to have the escape manager come out, and they're going to see me once a month, and they're going to help me do all this stuff. It's wrong because now I'm homeless again. Because when my rapid rehousing was up, nobody helped me. My manager, my case manager, never came to my house. He could never, he couldn't even tell you to this day what kind of furniture I had. It's great to be involved, but if you're going to be involved, be involved. Help people be successful. Don't put a bandit on like a temporary fix to help the numbers go up because that anybody can do that. If you're going to help people, help people. Get up there on the concrete, dig, get down, dig down dirty, put on some jeans and some tennis shoes, and I promise you, nobody's going to hurt you. I have never ever seen anybody come out there to help them, to help us get hurt. I've never seen anybody take from people who bring in socks, for bringing food. From just walking up to say, here, I'm doing that. I've never seen that. I'm sure the violence is there. I'm not violent. I don't do violence. So I don't associate a lot with those kind of people. But I'm sure that it's there. I mean, I know that there's more police presence because two attorneys were attacked. I know that. But not everybody who's homeless is like that. Some people want to go to school. They want a job. They just want a place to live. How about just a place to live? So I know how I'm going to get up and wake up every day. Where I'm going to be yesterday, somebody stole my whole purse. $300 in my whole purse because I was homeless again. And people think you get out of it, you're going to have this great life, you're going to have this great situation. I want to go to law school. I can't get there because I'm so busy just trying to live life every day. I'm somebody's 56 year old grandmother. That's all I want to do in the whole world, go to Can't get there. 
because all these resources and all these agencies that are supposed to help you, you got five agencies doing the same thing. Nobody's helping. If you get out there and you talk to people, talk to them and tell them what they, let them tell you what they need to stay home, to not be homeless. Stop trying to think people can figure it out and they know. Because unfortunately, I'm not the face of everybody. I mean, there's like a small crowd of us who have these goals and want to do all these things. But the majority of people have lost hope. Because it got taken from them. How do you hope when you're on a waiting list for five years? Well, where's the hope? There's no housing. Once you get a job at the highest minimum wage state in the nation, you can't even afford to live there. McDonald's pays $15 an hour, but you can't get an apartment on $15 an hour. So what are we going to do to fix it? What are we going to do being the richest country in the nation with the biggest problem? I don't know about anybody else. I don't know. I mean, I know I have a couple friends here who have been homeless before. But when you wake up and you're in a tent and your tent is collapsed because it rains 75% of the time in Washington and you're wet, all your laundry that you just did for a whole week and you don't get to do it for another week is wet. Everything you own is wet. If you have, if you don't learn how to fix homelessness by then, you need to just stop talking. Thank you. Paint this paint square right here. This is my photo studio. 
And uh, so uh, it's remained white the whole time I've been there, and it is my background, the photographs that I use. And since I was taking these photographs, I decided that, well, I was going to make monotype portraits out. And um, as I was doing that, other people who worked in the studio were looking over my shoulder, and suddenly other people wanted to do it. And it just snowballed from there. Other artists who worked in that studio did some. Suddenly we had a dozen portraits. And we thought, oh, look at all these portraits we've got. Let's do this. And we had our first showing in Bremerton at a, uh, at a coffee shop. Uh, and then it went elsewhere in Kitsap County. And then it went up to Port Angeles. It was in a library. And as we were doing it, more and more artists started contributing to it. And so by the time it, it sort of came back into uh, the Seattle area, we had 40 portraits, uh, a total of 40 portraits by a dozen artists. And, and it, I always say it started with a truckload full of dirt, and I think that's organic, and, and that was, <laughs> that's the best way to start an idea. For the truckload of <laughs> and thank you for sharing. Same question to you. What's your involvement with Real Change, with the Portrait Project, and kind of your perspective on it? Um, I started selling Real Change in 2013, and um, I, right out the gate, I was at City Hall, and I, you know, I started doing the advocacy. Um, I used to be a union cement mason, so I was trained to speak within two, well, I worked for the FLCIO at, at one time during an election, so I was trained to speak within two minutes, and when they, when they asked me, well, we, you've got to get your story down to two minutes, and I said, yeah, I got this. <laughs> but in that sense, it's not that easy to advocate like that in the city. Um, you know, not everyone really is paying attention to your story. A lot of times it gets snopped down to one minute. But to answer your question further was, I started I started advocating um, like crazy. You know, I was homeless. Um, I've been involved with the speakers, the Homeless Speakers Bureau. I've done internships. Um, I, you know, I sell the paper every seven years. I sell it um, in front of Kent's Market in Greenwood. I still sell it there. Um, uh, Real Change, um, I, do, I do want everyone to know, Real Change is our only opportunity um, to make money within the city. Um, there is, to try to get a job is impossible without a mailing address. Um, you, your, your things get stolen, you know, when you're homeless. Um, and as, as you heard the, uh, the story, um, you get wet. You may not be able to wash your clothes. So to show up to a, a, an interview um, looking like everyone else would look, going to an interview, um, sometimes it's impossible and you just give up and you walk away. You wonder why you don't get a, a call back. Oh yeah, my mailing address was the Ballard Food Bank. Um, so real change is the only opportunity for us to make money within the city. Um, very little opportunity. Um, it, it also is the foundation to bring you back to community. And that's if community will even acknowledge you. Um, uh, I, it, when I first started selling Real Change, you know, I used to be a unit cement mason. That's pretty hard work. But to sell that paper was the hardest thing I ever did in my life because I hid from the label homelessness because I didn't want to be a target. Um, I didn't want to be profiled by the police. Um, anyways, so Real Change is the foundation to connect you back to the community. But it's also, you know, um, it's humiliating, you know, to stand out there. Um, it, 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 I, was, I was humiliated and ashamed my first day, humiliated and ashamed. 
because I, it was my first day of coming out that I was homeless. And I was, the, I was there 10 minutes and I was ready to run. Um, no one would look at me and I just was humiliated. And out comes Ken from Ken's Market. 80 year old man comes out and introduces himself to me and says, you know, who might you be? And, and I told him and he said that he was really glad that I was out in front of the store. And um, I didn't know what to do. And as soon as he turned around and walked in that door, I ran around the corner and just dropped to my knees and cried and begged God to help me make it three days here. So what I had to do is I had to engage, no matter what anyone else was doing. And I started saying good morning and have a nice day. And you know, before, you know, it took time, but you know, in, in time, everyone, you know, I mean, once the community embraced, embraced me and allowed me to embrace them, that is the beauty of the change. It reconnects people who have been invisible within the community to to become visible again, and that's what this portrait project is. Um, we, we, we've done a lot of great things. Real change uh, changes people's lives. It changes communities. It changes um, uh, the decision makers. You know, it helps bring change and awareness of the of the horrible problems that are happening. But it takes all of you to want to care, to, 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 to just say hello, like Bruce, and just say hello. So um, I love real change. Um, it, real change is my family. Yeah, so, yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, I want to open up if anybody wants to have a question right now. Well, in the meantime, I'll ask another one. Um, why? I think is a big question that a lot of people here have been asking the whole time. Why portraits? Why the portrait change? We know how it began, but what's the personal meaning to you, and what's the meaning to us in this room? Well, I, 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 I think it, it's the connection, another way to make a connection. And, and like we said, everyone has a story, and those stories are there next to the portraits. And you can sit there, and you can look into the eyes of that person. and and read their story and, and make that connection with them that you may not do when you're out on the street. And now you may do that, I hope. And, and we've always said, um, I've never shown this in galleries because galleries want to sell paintings and um, I want to raise awareness. I don't really want to raise funds by this. We, we are a nonprofit and we do raise funds, but, but this is an awareness raising. Uh, and I know you're the subject of one of the portraits, so what has this project meant to you and what's your relation to this? Um, the project, um, I remember when I first saw my portrait, I cried. Um, because, you know, being homeless, you're so invisible and um, you're so disconnected from community as a norm. The project, um, you know, I was able to see myself, you know, and um, and then the little bio, you know, it re reminded me of who I used to be, um, you know, that I used to be, you know. So it's really important. It's, it's, it's one of the most important projects um, that I can even talk about. Um, it, it brings the awareness is what, you know, we want people to know that, you know, to break the barriers of fear between the house and the unhoused. Um, everyone has a story and um, sometimes, you know, you might be afraid to talk to people or this project, you can look at the portrait, you can read the life history, and then you can make a decision within your own heart if you want to pursue and, and talk to the community that is unhoused. Um, I've, I've, I've done outreach a lot and I've never been harmed for giving things away, you know. Um, I just, I like that it 
gives the vision that it puts our face back into community where we just felt so invisible for so long. It also got it also got the arts community involved, uh, and, and that was really a, a, a great part of it for me was making uh, contact with the artists and the vendors, putting them together. Like for instance, the artist who who painted Susan's portrait is a um, fabric artist, and I know that Susan is also a fabric artist. So if you look at the portrait, it's all done in fabric. Um, there's a bunch of fabric in it, so that was that was a lot of fun putting those ideas together. Um, I know some artists worked from uh, photographs that I had taken, and others like Sam Day was sitting right there. Uh, he, I, I believe he painted yours from life. Two of them. That there was a posthumous portrait that I made for them. That's right. So Sam, I think, set an easel out in the rain one day and, and painted. Uh, which one did you paint? Mike. Mike Hall. So yeah, Mike Hall standing in the rain with Sam Day getting his portrait painted. Yes, I'll ask a question. Um, I'm Amy Nugopin, I'm faculty here. Um, so I really appreciate the intent of this project to humanize homelessness, humanize the people um, who have to live on the streets. I also know there's an element in this town who view homeless people as dangerous rather than being danger, uh, and they seem to dominate the narratives. Um, I also know that we need to build the political power of homeless people to change the conditions, and yet we live in a city where some of the richest humans who have ever lived in history live. And the cognitive dissonance of all these things just drives me crazy. How do you stand it? <laughs> and do you have any ideas about how to navigate forward to make a change? I, I'm going to repeat just in case anybody in the back can hear. What was your name again? Amy. Amy. So Amy was coming to the idea of how unjust the situation often feels so, as a summary she was saying. and kind of how you deal with the frustration and what ideas do you have to move forward with the change? I have um, photographed Susan several times uh, talking to city council. She spends a lot of time, she has spent a lot of time in front of them uh, testifying to try and change things. Um, so, so our, we realize what we're up against um, our advocacy program uh, tries to combat that as much as, as they can. Um, so tell us more about your advocacy. Um, they do things, the, what was the most recent? Uh, Everybody Poops. Everybody Poops. <laughs> they got the council to uh, fund more uh, station, uh, uh, bathrooms. Uh, what are they called? What are they called? Five mobile pit stops. Mobile pit stops. Thank you. Yeah. What a horrible thing to be homeless in the city and have no toilet, have no money to go into a restaurant to use the toilet. Um, yeah. You're, you're treated like animals. Well, shoot, they build dog parks everywhere, but you know they won't give us a restroom. So, yeah, it's. Horrible. And advocacy is the only, you know, we, we take our message there, you know, it may not be received like we hope, but um, it's possible, you know. Um, you just have to, every time you're knocked down, you just have to stand back up and move forward as much as possible, you know, and hopes that people will stand up with you and, and, and forge their way to the front alliance too to get the message there and to the decision makers of Olympia. Laws change, um, yeah. I want to open up in case anybody has another question. <laughs>
I guess we can uh, thank again our speakers for participating and sharing your stories. And um, I want to, yeah. so please give a
Women in black, we stand with you. Men in black, we stand with you in death and in life. I happen to see a, a reflection from one of the students, which reminds me of why we're here, and I'm grateful for the reflection. One of you says, I want to thank you. Thank you, Professor Lawson. Thank you for frustrating me each week with new topics, for maddening me with readings, for saddening me with statistics, for exciting me with hope of new projects led by wonderful people, and for confusing me with questions that question my beliefs. I think this is a class that is one of the most educational experiences I've had, learning about the world from a telescope and a magnifying glass all at once. And this has been one of the most humbling and human projects I've ever been a part of. It seems to me that is why we're here. Thank you for the reflection. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed unless it's faced. So let us see faces, and let us read stories, and let us be more humane. That's what I heard from you. Thank mm -hmm. you.